Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Hey, she just learned how to say Gigi just in the last couple days. So if she says, hi, Gigi, I'm sorry, I'm going to respond to that one. <laughs> Today we're going to continue the series, Becoming the Church. During this series, we're looking at what the church is supposed to be. The church is one body. The church is active. The church is advancing. And the church is preparing. But church is not just about checking an attendance box once a week and for you to tolerate for a couple hours the people beside you and then go home to your real lives. Church is not something we do. Church is who we are. We are the body of Christ. And the last two weeks we've looked at Romans chapter 12 and discovered how the church becomes one body. And, and how is the church supposed to be active? And we found out in the first week that each individual, when they offer themselves as a living sacrifice to God. And no longer conform to the world, but are transformed by the renewing of their mind. Then all the different members come together and make one body. Under Christ, who is said to be the head of the body. And then last week we looked at how the body, each one, each part of the body needs to be actively involved in showing sincere love. Not just for each other in the church, but everyone. It even went as far as to saying even your enemies and then it gave a long list of 14 things we could actively be doing to show sincere love to everyone. This week we're going to learn that the church is supposed to be advancing. Here's a key point, and I shared it with you at the end of last week's message. That going to church will never change the world, but taking the church to the world changes everything. And here's just a little promo for the Easter series that's coming. The title of the series is going to be, This Changes Everything. And the whole uh, idea is that if God came to earth as man, this changes everything. If God, who came to earth as man, was crucified on a cross for my sin, for your sin, to reconcile us, redeem us to God in a right relationship. This changes everything. And if that same God who was crucified for our sins to reconcile us to God was in the grave and then was resurrected, this changes everything. So hang on for Easter. Invite, invite. Do you know that 90% statistics say 90% of people you invite to church will come? Did you know that? One out of ten people will say no. Those are pretty good statistics there. So if you get one, just keep asking. So if you get one that says no, just keep asking. They're waiting for you to ask them. So let me do this. We, I know last couple weeks we've done these slides at the end, but I want to put the picture in your mind now. 
the beginning, and also because we have something special planned for you at the end of the message. Um, how many was here first service, stayed for second service? Hey, not bad. Not bad. Well, four of you is going to get it again. All right? All right. Slides. Here it is. Summary of week one. Week one. Thinking of self-only big-headed Christians will hurt the body. Also thinking of self-only breaks down the church. When it's all about me, 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 me. That just tears the church apart because now you're fighting with each other because my needs are more important than your needs. Uh, week two, we talked about do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. That was good, right? That was good. Doing good means those 14 things that we talked about, how to show sincere love. And then this week, going to church won't change the world. See, there's sad little Christians in there because they're only thinking about themselves. But taking the church to the world changes everything. There you go. Got that picture in your mind? All right, here we go. Here's part three. The church is advancing. Church leaders today reported that an outward-focused church ultimately creates the healthiest insiders. So what creates a healthy church? Many factors, but outward focus is non-negotiable. It's a bit of a paradox, but an outwardly focused church ultimately creates the healthiest insiders. Why is that? An inerrant part of the Christian faith is death to self. And that also means death to selfish preferences. In an insider-focused church, no one sacrifices anything for the sake of others because People believe that others ought to sacrifice to please them. If the church exists to make you happy, why is the Bible packed full of scriptures that command us to serve one another first? Insiders must sacrifice for the sake of outsiders. They realize that when they give, others live. That when they decide the church isn't about them, they find a joy that is so elusive to that selfish person. Externally focused churches realize that sacrifice for the sake of others is a pathway to joy. When you die to yourself, something greater rises within you. So let's look at Acts chapter 4. And if we think about the last... Two weeks, we studied and we read uh, last week on Acts chapter 2. What happens, what happens to the early church is the feeling. Remember, Jesus said, go and wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power, the gift of the Father. Now in Acts 4, we see that power in action. The power in action. Here, Before we jump into um, verse 23, let me show you a couple things. And these are free nuggets for you, okay? Have nothing to do with the message. Yeah, they do. They, a little bit. See, here, Peter and John, in, in chapter 4, Peter and John were, were dragged before the religious court because they actually prayed for, healed a man who was crippled. In the name of Jesus. 
So they grabbed a hold of the guys, drug them into the religious court, and like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Whose power? What was his name? Blah, blah, blah. Let me show you. And, you know, he spoke, and he said that stone you builders rejected has become the capstone. He said salvation is found in no one else, and there's no other name under heaven given. by what He's saying this to the religious leaders. And then in verse 13, when they saw, when these religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. They just weren't like, ooh, odd and ood. They took note. And then they go on to say, you know, they're like, okay, let's, let's talk about this a second. What are we going to do? Because there's the man that they healed standing there now, and he's over 30. So over 30 means that he's actually in his right mind now. Do you know 20-somethings, you're not there yet. It was over 30. Don't look at me like that. No, okay. Seriously. They're like, what are we going to do? And they're like, well, let's, let's just tell them they can't preach in that name anymore. So they brought him back told them, hey, just don't speak in that name anymore, okay? Lord, help us that people get healed, right? Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Listen to this, verse 20. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's what it means to be a witness, They've seen something, they've heard something, now they're telling other people about it. And a freebie for you is if you don't have something fresh that you're seeing, that you're hearing from God, you're not staying long enough. Dig in deeper. Soak more. Seek more. Put God to the test. Remember we talked about that? Test and approve what God's perfect will is. Put him to the test. Get him in situations where he has to come through. He loves that. He loves that. But witness means test. Witness means you've seen, you've heard. You're just testifying. I mean, what happens when, when you're in the courtroom, they put you on the stand, what are you doing? Testifying about what? What you've seen and heard. Same thing. Our witness is not knowing, okay, what's the Romans road? What, well, I forgot. Well, I think you go here for, no, no, that's a detour. Maybe you go. Tell them what you've seen and heard. Nobody can argue with your testimony. You know, I used to battle with this all the time when I first gave my heart back to the Lord. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not a preacher, Lord, I, I don't like people. Remember, remember that Lord. And, um, I don't know. I can't memorize things. I mean, I'm still praying that the Lord helps me in my memory, but you know, too many drugs and too much drinking kind of blew too many cells there. And, you know, retention just isn't there. But again, that's on my own strength. And if I'm going in his strength, he says by his word, he'll bring those things back to remembrance when you need them. Right. I just need to be faithful getting them in. Right. But I used to struggle over that all the time. How am I supposed to witness to people? I'm not a preacher. Who knew, right? <laughs> I'm not a preacher. I can't, and I can't remember. And, you know, I didn't even know what it was called when you tell somebody to turn to, you know, John 3, 16. 
I remember being at TC Nut Company that when we had the nut booth here at the Traverse City Mall years ago, and there was another booth um, beside us, kiosk beside us, and it, you know, wait at night, there's like nobody in there, so I'd pull out my Bible and I'd read, and he'd yell, what are you doing? I'm reading. What are you reading? You know, we just started the conversation. That happened to me when we was down in Battle Creek, too, um, with an Islam. Anyway, but he's like, what are you reading? I'm like, the Bible. Why? You know, and we just go back and forth. And then I got him a Bible, you know, in the conversation, building a relationship, I, I got him a Bible. And so he would sit over there, and when he had seen me sit down, he's like, is that the Bible again? Yes. What should I read? So I'm like, uh, John 3.16. He's like, what does 3.16 mean? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, um, I'm like, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know how you have, you know, my address is 15261 Cinder Road. It's like Cinder Road is the John. And the house number is the chapter 3, verse 16. So every once in a while, I mean, over the course of time I was there, he'd, give me another address. <laughs> you know, God's saying, just show them. Just tell them what you've seen, what you've heard. That's witnessing. Okay, that's all free. Sorry, do I get to reset this counter then if I do that? Okay. It's a rabbit trail for you. No, but that's seriously, because listen here. This was Peter, the one that, what, what did he do? He ran. A little preteen girl confronted him. This is Peter, courage, boldness, ordinary men, like you and me. And sometimes I think we put the disciples or the apostles and these men of faith up on a pedestal and say, well, I can't do that. And even with Elijah, what was God saying over and over again? Hey, don't forget, Elijah was just a man just like you are. Don't forget, these are ordinary, unschooled men. Just like most of us probably are. Anyway, all right, that's all free. Here, let's get into the real scripture. Um, the believer's prayer. So on their release now. He said, sorry, you know, they said, warned him, hey, don't preach in the name of Jesus. They're like, sorry, got to do what I've seen and heard. And they went. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, these religious leaders in the court. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. It was God's power and God's will that put Jesus on the cross. It was God's power and God's will that raised him from the dead. Not man. Yeah. That was a free one, too. All right, uh, verse 29. Now, Lord, and this is what we're going to pray at the end of this, the message today. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, 
Jesus. Let's just pray over the word. Father, thank you, God, that your word is powerful and active. It's sharp. It cuts both inside and outside. And God, right now, we're just going to cry out in anticipation about you filling us, Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, to be bold witnesses for you, Lord, that you will fill us like you fill these disciples in Acts 4. God, that you will fill us, enabling us to perform all the miracles, signs, and wonders because it's your hand outstretched in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what we do is we look here at the results in verse 31. Here's the results of their prayer. Pretty basic prayer, don't you think? You know, and I like that they didn't, you know, go uh, over, 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 and over. It was just real simple. God, courts, dragged us there. We need power. We need boldness. We need miracles because, you know why they needed miracles? Because what are they going to do? That's what the courts did. What, what can we do? Here's the healed man standing here. What can we do? You can argue till you're blue in the face, but you lay hands on somebody and God heals them. What are they going to argue about? <laughs> Nothing. You need both. You need both. So verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I really believe, again, it's because I'm a picture person, so I see God, Jesus, sitting on their thrones at the edge of their seat, waiting, 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 waiting. says the angels are ministering angels, and they're setting. Do you know what this means? It's a sign language for bored. Bored, give us something, please. You know, you got a teenage boy that you ask to take out the trash, what are they, ah, you know? It's bored. Please. Why? Because we're doing everything ourselves. And God's just sitting there. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. The angels are like, you know, I want to do something, Lord. The minute they prayed that, the place where they were meeting was shaken. You know why? I believe because heaven stood up. Oh, I'm ready. You know what? They know power and what power will do to people. They know, but we want to just do, 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 do. Oh, you're sick. I'll pray for you. Do, 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 do. Oh, you have problems. I'll pray for you. Oh, do, 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 do. And heaven's just like, come on, you know, come on. But we get ourselves what he wants is get ourselves in situations where God, this is the end of me. I can't do this now. Now, God, fill us and enable your servants. And he says, boom, I'm in. And you go to stretch forth your hand and his power then going in you and through you enables you to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 32. Sorry, the end of 31. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. Not some of them, all of them. All of them raised their voice. All of them prayed together, Lord, fill us. And what did they get? Filled. Not a hard equation there. They all asked for it. They all got it. 
Do you really believe the things that you ask God for? Then start asking bigger. Come on. If you really believe God's word says so I can, then start asking him for it. Come on. He's waiting and he's filled them all. And they all spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32. All the believers were then in one heart and one mind. Why? Because there's one spirit. That's why the same spirit that dwelled in Christ can live in me and live in you and live in her and live in him and live all around the world together at once and then become one. They were all then, once they were all filled, become one in heart and mind. Goes on to say, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. Much grace. Remember what grace means? Grace means God's love in action towards people who don't deserve it. Pretty simple. Kind of like that song they sung, right? Kind of like the word Amy got this morning or whenever it was but that she shared with us. That God's love is not contingent upon your character. It's his character. He is love. That's why we were talking about this in class today. Remember all the commands that God says, be holy as I am holy. Do this, do that. And you're thinking, how can I? How can I? How? It's like me in you does this. Our job, fill me. Fill me, God. Fill me with you. Fill me with you. Fill me with you. Uh, before I go on, let me just share this. It says that no one was selfish. They shared everything they had. And then it also says that there were no needy persons among them. I've read that over and over again, and I thought, oh, yeah, they don't have any need because everybody shared that's not what it says. It says there was no selfish person among them. They shared everything, so no needy people was among them. A needy person is a, I need this, I need that, I need this, you need to give me this, you need to give me this, you need to give me that, right? That's a selfish person. When we become selfless, sharing, open-handed, God, it's all yours. You just tell me what to do with it. Now there's no needy people among them. Needy is selfish. Selfish is needy. They testified with great power. There was much grace upon them. And then look over, continue down here. Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Down at verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Exactly what they prayed. They got exactly what they prayed. Why? Because they believed. And it wasn't them. It was God in them, through them, 
one body, one body actively loving others, advancing in whose power? God's power by his spirit in us and through us brings the results of the early church. The church Jesus built, the church this community needs is this church. This church that needs the Holy Spirit power. This community needs us to need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to move in his power, advancing the gospel. And this is the church that Cornerstone Assembly of God will be. It will be a church that takes church to the community. But we cannot be a powerfully advancing church without God's power. Power, his power working through us. You know the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? I used to repeat that all the time. Wrongly though. See, I used to say it to try to strengthen myself. Oh, greater is he that isn't. And I try to hype myself up. Greater is he that isn't. Greater is he that Because I, you know, I can do all things through Christ, right? No, it says greater is he that is in me. It is not contingent upon me. It's just like putting a glass here. I'm going to steal that from you, okay? It's like putting a glass here. And you're thirsty. Can that glass quench your thirst? No. Not until you grab the pitcher and pour the water in there. Then what's greater, the water or the glass? If you're thirsty, come on, this is a simple one. Aha, the water. I mean, you can even laugh it up like a dog. Blah, 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 you know, if you don't want to put the glass here, I don't care. But what's greater? The water. When you're thirsty, the water's greater. Right? Because what's going to quench? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That is not a hype yourself up and hope that you can get it together so that when you pray for somebody, it has nothing to do with you. Again, like the illustration with the glass. I can go straight to the pitcher and just start slapping all the water right in my face. I don't even need the glass, right? Does God need you to prove his power to the world? He chooses to use you. But who's greater? He is in you. He, he, the Holy Spirit, God, the Trinity, the divine, in you is greater than he that is in the world. It's nothing to do with you. So if you wake up and you had a bad day yesterday and you start moping around, I'm just a worm, I'm horrible. And somebody calls you, oh, I'm having a worse day. Can you just pray for me? And you think, how can I pray for them? I had a worse day. It's not about you. It's greater is he that is in you. So when you come and confronting whatever that's going on, it's not you. Oh, crap. Did I pray enough? Oh, crap. I didn't read enough. I haven't even fasted this week. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about he that is in you. You need to think about that scripture on a different level, on a deeper level. Even Jesus needed God's power. Again, I think sometimes we put Jesus up on it. You know why? 
Because the enemy, and we were talking about this at dinner last night, the enemy comes to you, disguises himself as an angel of light, right? That means that it's going to sound good. It's going to look good. It might even taste good, right? It, you know, yeah, that's a, Jesus is the son of God. That's why he can perform those miracles, you know? Jesus is the one from creation. The word was God. The word in the beginning was God. He was, you know, everything. That's Jesus. But it says that he emptied himself of everything and became man. It wasn't that he was sitting up on the throne with his father, looking over at him and saying, well, there's man again. Look at, they still don't get it. Oh, well, what are we going to do? Um, Gosh, I don't even know if they can do it. You know, look at them. I, I don't even, you know, we laid it all out there. We told them everything. They just, but I don't know. And Jesus, you know, hey, you know, why don't you send me and I'll empty everything and leave all power, all authority behind. And I'll come down as me and we'll see if I can do this. He didn't do that. He said, okay, you know what? I'm going to empty everything out of me, about me. I'm going to step into man, take on flesh. Why? So I can show them that they can do this by just relying on me. I'll show you in the scripture that's true. Acts 10, 38, Jesus, it says, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power, went around doing good and healing all because God was with him. Everything he did, he did as man. Why did he get water baptized? It's man he needed. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to go and minister. He was man. He wanted, he'd not, he didn't need to prove it to himself. Jesus did not come to earth as a man to see if he could heal and set people free as a man. He did it to prove to man that you, to prove man could so man would. He came to prove man could so man would. That's why Jesus said, greater works will you do than these that I do? Because I go to my Father. Because Jesus was down here the whole time with who? The Holy Spirit and God with him. Holy Spirit power in him and God with him. We have who? We have all three. <laughs> we have Jesus sitting at God's right hand, interceding for him. Yeah, come on, you can do this. I knew it. God, give him this. Touch him there. Oh, lead him there. Oh, you can do it. Oh, Holy Spirit, breathe on him here. Oh, move him over here. He didn't have that. That's why we can do greater things than even he did. And I love it that Jesus is the one that said that. 
Jesus is the one that says it. And it even says it at the bottom of one of the gospels, and I can't even remember which one. If we were trying, if we would try to write down all the miracles that Jesus performed, they said no volumes of books, no libraries in the world could contain them all. This is just a few. And he says, you're going to do greater things than even I did. Because he goes to the Father and sets and intercedes for us. Imagine, imagine for a minute what that power, Holy Spirit enabled power advancement would do to our community today. If we started believing God, because it says that who Jesus said that these signs shall accompany those who believe. In John 14, 12, he says, Verily, verily, I tell you. Whenever the word says that, the definition of that is a sworn statement. It's like going to the courts and putting your hand on the Bible and raising your, or do they put their left hand and raise their right hand? Right hand? Raise your right hand, put your left hand on the Bible. I think they put it on the Bible. Right? Yes. That verily, verily, I say unto you, is a sworn statement, just like he's swearing on the Bible. He swears by himself. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, sworn statement. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and even greater things than these. He swears, sworn statement, you will do if you believe. If you believe. In an article from Church Planners Advance, it reads, The 28 chapters of Acts spans a period of only about 30 years. In a mere three decades, the gospel made outstanding progress around the Mediterranean and to Rome and probably even further. So why should similar gospel advance not happen again in our day? We are as normal, we are as flawed as the early disciples were. We have the same God, the same commission, the same power of the Holy Spirit as they did. Yet we also have the full canon of scripture that they didn't have. We have 2,000 years more experience and immense technology at our disposal. So why can't our community be touched with the same power? Why can't the church see the advancement that it saw in the book of Acts? Let's stop dreaming about advancing the kingdom and begin moving forward. Take God at his word for those who believe. Take him at his word. Draw on his power. Get him to stand up and take note. And the world will be astonished and stand up and take note. Why? Because you've been with Jesus. Because Jesus living in you. Because they've got the healed man standing beside him. What are we going to do? For all to be saved. All to be healed. Each person steps into their part of the body with God's power. 
church advances. Just think what this church could accomplish for the kingdom in the next year alone if we would do this. And what do we have to do? Surrender to him. Cry out like they did. Fill us. Enable your servants to speak the word with boldness. Stretch forth your hand and perform through us these miracles, signs, and wonders. Pastor Denny mentioned that we were just at sectional council on Tuesday. And I had to tell the people I took with me, um, Devin and Crystal and Josie and uh, Pastor Denny, that our district superintendent was preaching my message. I'm like, I promise you, I already have this written. He must have got my notes, but I know, don't get offended. It's just confirmation. But the scripture that he, he set on longer than I would have liked, because I'm like, oh, that's the scripture I'm using, is Luke 10.2, where Jesus, as a matter of fact, the district superintendent said, as far as he can see so far, unless God enlightens him, this is the only prayer request of Jesus. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth or send out laborers. Why? Because they're willing to hear. They want to receive Jesus. They want to hear, but how can they hear unless we go? Unless somebody goes, unless somebody tells them. And that word sends out is the same Greek word as uh, is used when it's described as uh, evil spirits being cast out. To cast out laborers into the field. Same definition as a fisherman taking a fisher's net and casting it out into the sea. The picture here is Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to cast you out like a fisher's net into the sea. Who's more powerful, the net or the fisher that's casting it out? It's not about you. You just have to be willing. You just have to open up and say, fill me, enable me, use me. Your power in me. Greater is he in me than he that's in the world. And cast me out like a fisherman's net into the sea. That's why Jesus went after the first disciples. Where? His fishermen. And he told them, come follow me and I will make you Fishers of men. He was already talking about, I'm going to, if you let me, I'm going to cast you out like a fisherman's net and make you fishers of men. Again, we cannot do what God is commanding us to do and be. That's why he wants to fill us with this Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. Greater is he in you. In you than he that is in the world. We need the Holy Spirit's power to be a church advancing. Fulfilling the great commission. Going into all the world. world. Then we will see all healed. All saved. All set free. When we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to close with reading a prayer by John G. Lake. He was praying this for uh, spiritual hunger in the church, for uh, heaven's advancement in the church. 
It's Jesus calling. It's time. So would you stand and let me read this prayer? I had that opened at one time. Did you work on unlocking that and opening that? It's hot in here. It's the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to read this prayer. Remember, as each one, as each one cries out together, that's the Holy Spirit power that we need. So I'm going to read John G. Lake's prayer. Friends, we need a coming up into God. The church and the church around the world needs to come up into God. We have been traveling around in a circle, digging our noses in the ground, and we've had our eyes on the ground instead of up in the clouds, instead of up on the throne. Look up to the glorified one. If you want to see his bleeding hands, look to heaven where he is to see them. Do not look back to Calvary to see them. He is the risen, the glorified son of God in heaven with all power and all authority. With the keys of hell and of death. He is the divine authority, the eternal overcoming manifestation of God in heaven. And you and the remnant of God glorify Christ as one body. Jesus is the divine manifestation of God. Come up to the throne, dear ones. Let the throne life and the throne love and the throne power and the throne spirit of the Holy Ghost in heaven possess you. And you will be a new man in Christ Jesus. And your tread will be the mark of a conqueror. Your song, the song of victory. And your crown, the crown of glory. And your power, the power of God. He goes on to pray. If you are ready to have a new life. Not just a man saved of sin. But a new man saved from sin sanctified by God's power and filled with his spirit recreated with and in Jesus Christ one in nature one in character and one in substance with Christ in Christ the spirit now calls those who want to be that character of man to come to the feet of God to come to the feet of the son of God and to receive his blessing and receive his power now. And I'm calling you come. If you're ready to receive that infilling. We're going to pray just like an Acts for That all will be filled. All will be filled. So come on up. Let's get, let's get in a place to receive. All. All. All will be filled. All will be filled. Why? Because we're going to ask that all be filled. All will receive power. That will enable you to be bold, courageous witnesses for God. And all 
will will see God's power, powerful arm working through them. Miracles, signs and wonders. Why? Because we're going to ask and we believe and God will do that today that he did in Acts 4. And if you're up here before we even begin praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit, if you need to dedicate your life to the Lord, you don't have a a right relationship with God, whether you never had or maybe you kind of walked astray like Amy was talking about, you know, a wandering sheep, you just kind of wandered away. Today's your day to come back to the Lord. Simple, simple, but it's just a surrender. And you just need to surrender and say, God, all of me is yours right now. Forgive me for living life without you, selfishly without you. God, I surrender all. Have all of me, heart, mind, soul, and strength. I will live to follow hard after you. Fill me with your forgiveness, with your love, with your power. And I will be all you created me to be, all you command me to be. And now we're going to pray. We're going to pray the same prayer that the disciples did in Acts 4. We're going to pray for the infilling and fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray together and ask God, God, enable, enable your servants. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and enable your servants, oh God, to preach your word with boldness, to be a bold witness, to be your witnesses. Jesus, you're the one that said, wait for the Holy Spirit. For the power to be your witness. God, we just surrender right now. We surrender. With one voice, we cry out. With one voice, we ask, fill us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your power. Enable us, your servants. Enable us, your servants. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Enable us. Enable us. With the power. Greater is he that is in me. Greater things will we do, Lord, because it's you in us. Lord, fill us, fill us, fill us. 